when I very first started, when you and I first met, I didn't believe that being an artist was possible unless you were going to be Damien Hirst. And I didn't want to be Damien Hirst, that's for sure. So I was looking into all sorts of other things. My background is as a graphic designer, but I didn't want to go back to working in that field. And I just felt that if there is one thing that I do when I wake up when I'm 70, I don't want to look back and think, if I had tried that, I wonder what would have happened. And that was my absolute kind of key motivator for this, is that I, I don't want to regret not having given something my all. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. Alice Sheridan is a successful abstract artist, and she also helps other artists to connect, stay motivated, keep producing, and make money out of their art. Alice runs a free Facebook group for artists with thousands of members. She has a successful paid membership program and a popular podcast. Whether you're interested in making money from art or how to run an online business in a way that's authentic and true to your personality, you'll get a lot out of this podcast. Alice, thanks very much for making the time to join us on the Ideas Lab podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. Now, I wanted to build this as how to succeed as an artist. And I hear you have a simple three-step formula. We were joking about this earlier, as if there is a three-step formula to be a successful artist. But you come up with three things which are really key to say. And I think I'd love to explore these because um, you're successful with your own art. And uh, perhaps you can talk a little bit about that. And you also help other artists to sell their work, stay motivated, keep producing, you create, you've run a podcast around this, you run a, a paid membership program, a free Facebook group, all sorts of stuff. So I want to get into all of this, but let's see if we can cram it all into these three things that you think are, are key, because there's so many artists out there who are kind of losing faith and and um, getting very confused and, and so on. Well, I think it's tricky. And I think that the one of the reasons that I've started doing all of those things, because when I very first started, when you and I first met, I didn't believe that being an artist was possible unless you were going to be Damien Hurst. And I didn't want to be Damien Hurst, that's for sure. Um, so I was looking into all sorts of other things. My background is as a graphic designer, but I didn't want to go back to working in that field. And really, I just I just felt that if there is one thing that I do when I wake up when I'm 70, I don't want to look back and think, if I had tried that, I wonder what would have happened. And that was my absolute kind of key motivator for this is that I I don't want to regret not having given something my all. So these three things I hope are going to be applicable, whether you're going to be an artist or whether your interest is in in something else. I know your audience has, you know, all sorts of... um, exciting and varied things that they want to try so the first thing is don't wait until your art is good well but you mean you mean we don't need to thrash around forever thinking am I really an artist are you suggesting we don't do that (laughs) I think you know when I look back now on my first art show the first exhibition I held publicly of my work it makes me cringe 
But it had taken two years of work for me to get enough together to show at that event. And and people still bought things. And that was the thing that was the boost. And if I'd never tried that, if I'd waited until it matched my idea of what successful art looked like or what accomplished art looked like, I don't think I would ever have taken that first step. And the thing is, if you if you let your mistakes be visible, and I think you're honest about whatever stage you're at, it's so much easier to get started and to get going. Whereas if you're waiting for everything to be immaculate, it's a bit like probably having babies. If we, you know, if we wait until we think we know everything about parenting to have children, the human race would finish. You know, we learn on the job, you know, that's how we learn how to do things. So don't wait until it's good because it never will be. But the flip side of that is to aim to always be improving. And I think, you know, the key to everything, and I know you probably we're going to talk about marketing and all sorts of things. I think marketing your art is so much better and you need to be really congruent with the idea that you are doing the best you can to make the best art you can at the moment. So there's kind of, that's, that's the flip side really is that we're never going to get it right, but always to be striving to making things better. Because if your art isn't where you want it to be, how can you genuinely share it with others and expect them to value it if you don't value it in the same way? So that's interesting, but it makes me think of something else, which is related to this. And maybe, maybe you're going to address this later. I don't know, but um, there's that question sometimes of how commercial should I be? Do people kind of think, well, should I do what I really want to create, which might, which is probably completely uncommercial right now, or should I do something that I feel clearly has more market potential right now at this point in time? All I can say is that in my experience over the last few years, and it, and it has really only been a few years, is that whenever I have been tempted to follow something for more commercial reasons, there have been something that's left me feeling uncomfortable about it or it hasn't worked out so well. And it's when I've really followed my gut instinct and done it fairly selfishly because I want to, that those are the things that have lifted off. That, that's funny. It reminds me of the quote by Neil Gaiman where he says, he says, nothing I ever did for the money alone ever worked out well. And I usually ended up not getting the money either. So basically don't do that was his advice. Pretty much, pretty much. I, I just had something, there was a big, big UK gallery and and it was flattering when they approached me and potentially exciting. And I just couldn't make it add up in my own head how this was going to work with the way that I wanted to work. And I thought I'd do it as a little test for myself. I'd just start working without promising them. Sorry, I dropped a pen. Let me put that down. And I just thought I will start working in the same way that I want to work and I won't promise them anything. And as I got further into the work, I thought I don't want this to be the outlet for it. I I, I want to keep following that on my own route. So that isn't going to happen. <laughs> So I think, I don't know, there are certain things where you need to have um, a clarity of thinking about how commercial you're being. And maybe I'm talking about things like setting prices and being aware of the market that you're working in. But I think in terms of what drives you, I think that's a different thing. If you're being driven by commercialism, you're probably more likely to be a product designer 
than you are somebody who's more artistically led. Yeah. And I guess when even Damien Hirst, who now is, I suppose, uh, well, very commercial, um, when he started out, probably was not. And uh, certainly was, well, it was controversial, if nothing else. So, yeah. And there are lots of things that you can do. So, you know, if you want to have prints made of your work, you know, that is commercially driven because you've already done the kind of creative energy of it. But having prints available is a commercial exercise, but it's also a way that we'll talk later on about keeping in touch with your audience and being able to have things that are available for people at different levels without totally contorting yourself into something that fits what other people's ideas of you should be. Yeah, so that makes sense. So if you've got, if your original artworks are quite highly priced, then you can release these prints that are more affordable for people, maybe a limited edition or something like that. Yeah, and there are all sorts of different ways to do that. I think, you know, whether you have limited edition or open edition and how prints are kind of offered up and explained is 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 a whole full game for another podcast perhaps yeah well it sounds like the kind of thing you cover on on your podcast uh, the art juice is that right art juice is the podcast yeah yeah that i host with a fellow artist and it just it kick-started at the beginning of this year it had been a little seed of an idea last year for me but i thought i don't want to have just me talking that's dull and um she got in touch and said what do you think should we do a podcast together and i said yeah that was it. <laughs> it was that simple because I just thought working with somebody else in collaboration would make it much more fun. And we thought, well, we'll do six and we'll see if anybody's interested. And it's really taken off. It's it's going great. And it's it's been really successful by the sounds of it. It has. And, and what do you think has made that so successful? I mean, clearly you're great at, at, at talking about these kind of things and you come from a very genuine place and you know what you're talking about. Um, I mean, is there anything, is there anything else that you think has helped to make art juice so successful? I think the fact that half the time we don't necessarily know what we're talking about, people really enjoy. I mean, I think perhaps in the first episode or in the second episode, I said, you know, one of my worries about this is that one week I'm going to say something A, and in two weeks time, I will have changed my mind and I will be talking about it from a different viewpoint. But I think that's how we are often as people. I think we, we're flexible, we're changeable, and we could have made it easy for ourselves by batching it or by doing groups of podcasts in a, in a time. But no, no, we decided to do it kind of live weekly as we go. So it's a real mix of what we've been working on this week as well as a main topic. And I think people really enjoy seeing that genuine variety you know some weeks we have a really creative week sometimes it's tech battles sometimes you know nothing has happened in art sometimes there's something really exciting and I think the fact that it it seems to come across from the from the reviews that we get that you know it just feels easygoing and genuine kind of because it is that's just what we do. We just sit down and record for an hour. Yeah, and that's what people like. That that is seems to be the key to success at the moment. Be yourself as a normal, flawed human being, and uh, and people warm to that rather than trying to put some sort of uh, gloss over everything. 
yeah and we put we put outtakes at the end and that was that was an that was an idea right at the beginning just because we had these little clips that we were cutting out and some of them were funny you know we just get the giggles or like when you were sent out of the classroom at school and I thought well, we'll put them in the end and then um this week because something went wrong with the tech and we had to record it twice we didn't get any outtakes and I've had all these messages saying what no outtakes <laughs> you know that's the key, that's the bit that people like okay so where are you on your list of three key ideas now? Okay, number two then is, number two, focus is tricky for me. Number two is uh, never stop moving. And by that, I mean, basically, it's a follow on from this idea of always learning. And one of the huge things I think in the art world is people are fearful of having their work stolen. They're fearful of having it copied. Um, there's huge worries about copyright, about people taking your images, what happens if I put them on Pinterest, all of that kind of stuff. And I think if you're always developing and changing the way that you work, which I think probably is inherent as work as an artist anyway, um, that's less likely to be an issue because you're always kind of trying to be one step ahead of yourself. The other side of that is the kind of hard work side of it, which is be prepared to do the things that others won't. So I know that people have said to me, you're so lucky. It's going so well, well done, said kind of fairly flippantly. And the reality of it is there have been long evenings where it's been me battling with website tech because at the beginning I didn't have the budget. Not only did I not have the budget, I didn't know who to ask. I couldn't brief somebody to do a website because I didn't even know what a website needed. And I've done a lot of figuring it out myself as I go along, partly because I like to be in control of things. But I think lots of people stop when they hit hurdles not maybe the first hurdle but the second hurdle or the third hurdle and you know the reality of any of this stuff is, is if it's something is important to you don't don't stop moving don't give up when you when you get to the point where something's tricky or it's driving you crazy or you have a sh show that doesn't go so well you've got to be prepared to pick yourself up and keep moving again no i think that's a really good tip and i I definitely support it. It really does take some grit, doesn't it? And I think, and a lot of read across through of entrepreneurship, but too, for all of this. Um, and it reminds me when you say about copying, I can't remember who was reading the other day and saying like, you know, you can copy what I just did, but then you're already behind me because I just put that out. But actually that's where I was some months ago. And now my brain's somewhere else. So you're always going to be lagging. And most people who, I mean, okay, people can copy your art and mass produce it perhaps. And um, that's not great to see when you don't make any money out of it. But it's ultimately people who copy you tend not to do very well. I was in an entrepreneur's group the other day and somebody said, somebody's ripped off, was it? Oh, I wrote a presentation for somebody. And they've, they decided not to pay me, took it and sort of ripped it off and made it their own. And I said, well, people who do that are never successful. I mean, very. Sometimes a large corporation will rip off a freelance, and I think, I think that's the one exception. But otherwise, if it's somebody else who's sort of your level or a little bit above, and they're taking things off people and stealing it, that's not really a formula for success. So they're not really much of a threat, in my opinion. 
No, and I think sometimes it comes from a place of, you know, somebody is still learning, they're still finding their feet, and they're still gathering information from lots of different sources. And, you know, it's true that nothing is truly original, but discovering your way that you put it together with your spin on it, with your approach, with your attitude, you know, that only comes from doing the work and figuring it out and showing up. And and I think you're right, if somebody's taking it from you, you know, particularly with art, part of the fun is the journey of learning it, right? It's working out. That's why. It's why when my husband says to me, you know, sometimes in the early days, are you going to stop now? Are you going to give it a rest? Are you going to come and sit and watch telly? And I was like, no, because the fun is in working out what the problem is and then figuring out what my solution to it is going to be. Um, that's the bit that keeps me going. And do you want to hear the flip side to that? So the flip side to that, the never stop moving, is that it's essential to take rests. And I think that things really go in, I, because I have children, and when I started this, they were quite young. Uh, they're both still at school now, but I had very limited time. So there was this natural kind of cycle to the year that was based around school term times. and. This idea of working in cycles or in loops, I think, is something that I've really taken on board. And I think in the holiday time where I can't actively paint, I can fill up that time with other things. So that's when I do more reading. That's when I do more sketchbook work. And I think it's really essential to make sure, particularly perhaps in today's age where we're like we pack our time full. You think back to your time when you were a child, like the best inventive games or the day that I discovered my children, they were sitting down in front of this cupboard down here that had all the kind of crafty stuff in when they were little. And they're just sitting there with the doors open. And I said, what are you going to make? And they said, I don't know. I haven't discovered it yet. You know, that's the point. You've got to give yourself that pure playtime without having any intention just to discover get bored and see what new rises to the surface yeah i, I think there's a enormous value in boredom which um is endangered it's just kind of on the uh, endangered species list at the moment because the temptation well at least for me is always to reach for your phone and fill every moment you stand at a bus stop for three minutes and have to entertain yourself and i have to remind myself it's like be bored john it's okay it's good for you to be bored because it's when you get bored and then you start to have those little sort of daydreams and conversations of yourself in your head. That's when I actually come up with ideas for writing and, uh, and other stuff. Yeah. And I think we're actually in danger of really losing our perspective on time through that, because it used to be that, and I remember <laughs> The first thing that really illustrated this to me was when I was traveling in the States when I was 18. And you know what it's like usually in the UK, journeys are fairly short. And we were traveling on Greyhound buses in the States. So it was long journeys, overnight journeys. And it got to the stage where when you got on a bus journey that was less than about three hours, it wasn't worth getting your rucksack down and getting your book out to read because it didn't feel like it was long enough to get stuck into anything. And it totally changed my perspective on filling, filling time up as we were traveling. Um, and I think now we have almost the opposite. Like you say, if we have two or three minutes, it can feel like 
forever and we 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 want more stimulation we want something else to come in and i think actually that's where art is really valuable perhaps even more valuable in modern day life is that if it can get people to slow down and stop and look at something with a little bit more attention and tune into how they're reacting to it that's why i think that's why for me it actually serves a very valuable and personal function as well as just being fun to make okay so and and are we up to number three we're up to number three so the number three flip side the first the first part is to understand your audience and i know that when you start everybody says who do you want to serve figure out your customer avatar I could never do that. It drove me insane. Firstly, because that wasn't my motive for creating in the first place. And how did I know until I started doing it? It's impossible. You you can't necessarily know that in advance until you've got some experience of seeing how people respond to what you offer. So I guess what I mean by that is that for me, it's even though making art could be seen as essentially selfish and very kind of perhaps ego-driven, it's the completion of it for me is seeing how it moves other people. And the feedback that I get from people I could never have anticipated. I could never have sat and written that stuff down on a worksheet. So and that's part of, I think, you know, in the days where I'm thinking, what, why am I doing this? Understanding the difference that whatever work you do makes for other people is really important. And the flip side is you've always got to be sure that you're not doing it solely to be driven by other people. You've got to be doing whatever you choose in this one short life You've got to be doing it, not simply to feed other people or serve other people, but to understand why it's really, really important for you to do as well. And how those two different parts of the puzzle fit together, I think, is the kind of ultimate intrigue for anybody who's working in anything entrepreneurial rather than just turning up and doing a job. Yeah, I think you're right. And it it is fascinating. I, I like the way you, you have these points of the flip side, because you you do yeah it's great when you know who you're working for but you also don't want to be led by them so um i know for instance the extreme end of that brian eno who who's one of my heroes the music producer and created ambient music he um he says he actually kind of avoids getting too close to fans fans always want him to do what he did last they want him to reproduce his favorite thing. And the reason he's famous and, and so respected is because he's forever moving forward. Um, and yeah, I'm sure he has a great deal of awareness, particularly if he does a commission or if he creates for a particular space because he does site-specific artworks. He knows exactly who's the kind of people who are most likely to turn up. And if he gives a talk, he knows who the audience is and so on. But, and I think in, in entrepreneurship, it's the same as this dance between what you want and what you know the other person wants. And if you completely ignore the audience, then you're kind of, that's not entirely healthy. 
Um, <laughs> and also it's quite difficult to make a living if you do completely ignore the audience. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that's a really nice way of putting it. It's a tricky line, I think, to to walk carefully, particularly in social media land where we, we are trained to respond to likes and, uh, you know, almost inevitably – perhaps apart from on YouTube, but on Instagram, you know, if you have people who are gathered around you, they like what you do. When you post something and you get a barrage of people who love it, that is both bolstering, but also something that I think you have to be careful of not responding to too much. You know, if I if I post a painting and, and everybody says, oh, I really like the yellow paintings, you know, the answer is not to trot off and make a whole load of yellow paintings. And, you know, I, you know, Usually what I do is go off and made a whole load of dark gray ones just to be contrary, you know. <laughs> but but I, I think social media does make that a little bit trickier because, you know, it triggers things in us. It does, yes. Yeah, that dopamine thing, isn't it? And and yet we're beginning to discover that some of these um, Instagram influencers who have millions of followers aren't actually making any income. There's nothing... There's no conversion. There was, a, I think, a woman who tried to sell some T-shirts and she had, you know, a million followers or something and she got all these T-shirts printed and sold 12 of them. So there's, even though people loved her lifestyle and and her images, it didn't translate to anything in terms of a business and a commitment and an investment by other people. So you need to take that with a pinch of salt, I think. And I remember that, was one of the lessons that I learned from you was that actually you can't judge things by other people's verbal responses and their verbal commitment. You only ever know by doing the thing, putting it out there and then seeing if anybody's really interested when it comes to, I guess, putting their money where their mouth is. Yeah. You have to kind of produce it. You can't, if you say to people, Hey, do you think it would be nice if I did sort of abstract paintings a bit like this, but with more yellow in them and they go, yeah, Okay, that sounds, that sounds nice. Yeah, yeah. And you, you do it and, go, and nobody buys it. You have to produce it and say, here's a thing, and then see if someone's willing to actually purchase it. Yeah, which is pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I remember when I, I don't know, I think you did a 30 day challenge once, and I had a line in there, which was, I think it was maybe quoted from somebody else, but I can't remember, but it was like, um, don't try and pre guess what's going to be successful put your stuff out into the world and let the world decide. And Selena, who worked with me back then, she said, like, I think that's going to scare people. And I went, well, tough, because actually that is what you have to do. You have to let the world decide. But what you do is you just keep producing. And so it doesn't, it, what it means is if the world looks at a thing you just produce and goes, don't care. It doesn't mean you should, well, oh, that's it. I'm not an artist. So you never try again. You just keep producing. And all the people I've seen who have kept doing that from those early courses, I've, I've been ru- running that course in particular since 2011. I don't run that anymore, but we ran it for six years or something. Um, and the people at the beginning where we looked at them and went, okay, you know, they're enjoying themselves. You know, there's not a lot there yet. We, we could see. Um, not that we would say that. We'd always try and be encouraging. The ones that kept going, they're all, they've all evolved. You know, we've seen cartoonists and illustrators and people start to produce really interesting work and in some cases get commissioned, get paid and so on. And the other thing I think that's 
interesting about that is that was at the time for me where I certainly couldn't believe that any any of the stuff that I'm doing now was possible. And what I actually did was I'd started doing, because as I say, I was a graphic designer. My one of the exercises that you led us in is where, you know, where are your skills? And I'd done, I think, three fairly big scale house renovations. But I, I knew that I didn't want to do that for people. But I wanted to do something that was about people understanding and enjoying and appreciating their old their own home and the environment that they created around themselves, not to make it perfect like it fitted within a magazine, but in terms of understanding their own family's response. And I and I did this kind of group workshop thing called Home Hustle. And we got together in groups and went to different people's houses and it didn't work. It was, I mean, it did work. It was great fun, but it wasn't a viable business idea. But that thing of drawing people together to discuss and help them figure out what's important for them, that stayed as a common thread. We can't often see it at the time. No, and you don't know where, and, and I wrote in my first book, Screw Her, Let's Play, like you have to, you know, every time you move forward, the view becomes different and you don't know what that view is going to be until you get there. So you have to just kind of do the next thing that you're drawn to do. And you get these little triggers as well. Like even the title of that book, I bought a whole load of career change books and that wasn't the first thing that I've bought because it had a slightly sweary title or that I've bought from somebody because they swore on a webinar or but at the beginning you feel like you have to present this image of yourself of being super professional and it's probably even only now that I'm able to really relax and what's come up this year and through the podcast is people kind of saying it's really funny and like funny is not a thing that I thought I was and it's not really something that I ever deliberately um, played on. And yet a sense of fun, a playful approach to things, that kind of attitude towards creativity and testing and trying things, that's really important to me. So all these little tiny bits, they just build and they build and they build and they build. And so the modern version of, of but now that you do that of bringing people together is the, the connected artist. Is that right? Yes. And so explain what The Connected Artist is. Well, it came about by chance. <laughs> Again, um, it came about by chance. It was, um, I had done work with um, a Californian artist called Nicholas Wilton, who runs once a year a large uh, art teaching program. And I took it the first time that he ran it and loved it. And the following year, spoke about it and encouraged people to kind of join up for it. And um, the year after that, he had an affiliate option. And I thought, what can I offer people? Well, we'll do this little group together where we can talk about it together alongside the work that everybody's doing. And it came to the end of that. And everybody said, well, it's finished. What are you going to do now? We want to still keep talking to you. And I thought, um, okay, I can vaguely do this thing. And I put together an idea of what I thought it would entail, which was basically all the questions that I had when I first started work with nobody to ask them. And by this stage, I was becoming more established. I was selling fairly well. And everybody, and I said, look, I need your buy-in to this because I'm going to have this system. I wanted to set it up on Kajabi because I didn't want to 
push it together with lots of different WordPress plugins. Um, and I said, if you're interested, I need you to buy in and then we'll make it work. And that's what happened. So it's been going just over a year now. Um, because of the personal element, I like to keep it fairly small. It's not one of these memberships that's always open and the ambition isn't to grow it as huge as possible because it's a really um, close and kind of private space. And I think one of the strengths is that it's not huge. So we've got uh, about 120 members at the moment. Um but it's it, it's it's a great space. It's another thing. It's another big thing in the week to run. But I wouldn't be without it. No, that sounds great. And it, it, I I know Julia who's in it, and she raves about it. So you the Kajabi just for people who don't know about online courses. That's one of the many systems available for running online courses. So you that's you've got a um, it, do you have a Facebook group for the connected artist, or is it something else that you? We have a Facebook group for the connected artists and I have a free group that anybody can join called the Art Explorers, which tends to be a little bit more free for all. Less, you know, there's less structure in there. Yeah. So if people so a good place for people to go at the beginning to get to know you is the Art Explorers Facebook group, because that's free of charge. You've got over a couple of hundred a uh, couple of well, you got nearly three thousand. Two thousand, I think. Yeah. Yeah, two point six thousand, yeah. I think. And uh, so that's very good. Um, but this paid group you, there's a separate Facebook group for that. And then there's, is there some sort of teaching content on Kajabi? What's on there? Yeah. So we, we're, we're building the kind of content out in Kajabi. So we've got, um, I think lots of artists shy away from anything to do with organization. <laughs> so I kick them into being a little bit more organized. So there's lots of discussion around pricing structures. We talk about sales conversations. We have practical things. So, preparation for art fairs, events, kit lists. Um, it's a thing about using Trello, photographing your work. Uh, the, the list, honestly, we've barely even touched the surface in terms of content. And what a great way of generating that content to say, okay, what's a list of questions I wanted to know at the beginning I had no one to ask? That's, that's a really good tip for anyone who's writing an online course. Yeah. And people, people are patient. It takes them a long while to kind of work through things. Um, and I think ultimately what I will probably do is take some of that content out and make it available to anybody who just wants to log in and see that content. Because the other, the key thing that we do really is we have a weekly live chat, which has various forms, which sometimes is within Facebook, sometimes is within Zoom. So it can be a little bit more two-way. Um, and, and it's that kind of regular touch point that within the membership really keeps everybody kind of together through the ups and downs. Oh, I see. So so everyone who's in that paid membership for the Connected Artists can, can jump on a Zoom call um, if they're free at that time. And, and then that's one of the ones where you see everybody's video together, right? Yeah, we we do that once a month. So we have a work review once a month. So it varies. And I stagger the times because we've got people from all over the world and I want to give people times to jump in. That's a tricky thing. That's a, that's one of the tricky things with anything online, that if you want contact with people, you've got to somehow manipulate world time zones. I do that. And so I do uh, on the Pioneer Programme and Escape Velocity, I have a daytime session and they have an evening session which covers most of the bases because if you're in a job you have to come to the evening if you're in the uk and then if you're outside the uk and somewhere very different time zone you can probably come to one of the others so yeah that works nicely so how did you end up with two and a half thousand whatever it is in your free facebook group because that's kind of it's a good place for people to get to know you and to connect with each other and then obviously 
when you do open up the connected artist paid membership to, to new applicants, I imagine you let those people know. So how do you get those thousands of people in there to start with? I think from Instagram and um, anybody who's in it at the moment, Art Explorers, I probably owe you a little bit of an apology in the sense that this year has been crazy busy year. So that um, art program with Nicholas Wiltham, I was a coach on this year. So there were 850 people going through that this year. And that was fairly all consuming for me. So I suppose Instagram has grown over time but fairly consistently and um fairly well so it was it's a tab on my instagram links if you want to come and join right so that's interesting so people are coming from instagram and joining the the free facebook group and do you do you have to keep an eye on that it does that take a lot of or do you do put a lot of stuff into the free facebook group not a huge amount. There's some there's some recurring posts that go on and I do go in there and I kind of check what's going on. Lots of people do use it for posting and sharing work. Um I go in and I tag posts and I so that people so they, they're categorized. So if people want to find something again, they can do it more easily. But there isn't a deliberate structure in there. It's just a kind of chatting space for people, really. I'm very naughty. I don't. I haven't followed any of the rules for growing anything. <laughs> I, to this day, I still don't have a lead magnet. Ah, great. <laughs> so this is a thing that you put on your website to get people to opt in. And and have you? Do people still join your email list anyway? Yeah, I mean that, and that was my thing. I, I just kind of thought, a, I couldn't work out what I could possibly give them that would be relevant, and I just thought, well. I only want you to join my email list if you like my work and you're interested in seeing more of it. So that's that's basically what I say. If you like my work and you want to see more of it, I think you do. I do think you have an exit in ten pop up though, don't don't you? I do. I do have an exit pop up, which works. People don't like it, but I hate to say it. It works. <laughs> it works. So this is one where when you move your cursor to close the window, then a pop up comes up. And yours is very nice because it just goes like, would you like a, I think it's like once a month email about arty stuff. You know, it's quite gentle. So that's phrasing is quite like that. And that's clearly working. So that's good. I, I love the way you've done this. And I think, you know, you run your business like an artist, which is, which is, it's about, it's about the work. It's about the insides, not necessarily about the outside. So it's um, people that, you're doing things of integrity. You're doing things that clearly have value to people. And so people want to opt in. They want to join your group. They want to follow you on Instagram. How many people do you have on Instagram, by the way? 21,000. Oh, not bad. And have you done anything to promote that? Um, I think early on when I first discovered it, it was like when I very first discovered Pinterest, I think I lost an entire weekend of my life to Pinterest. Um, I, I mean, I think probably I just used Instagram as they intended it to be used, which was for social. Um, I, I see yesterday that they're taking away the thing where you can go to somebody's account and see who they follow and who follows them, and which is a shame, I think, because I think that's a really interesting way of discovering new people to follow. Um, 
And I did quite a lot of that in the early days of, of really spending a lot of time in following these rabbit warrens and looking and seeing what people were posting and seeing who was out there. But equally, somebody I know I found through a blog post on there. We chat regularly. There are so many people I've met in real life now when we first connected on Instagram. So it's just, but I think right back at the beginning, I've had a certain luxury of being able to allow things to develop slowly. And even though it's been fairly swift since I decided that I was going to knuckle down and do this seriously, in inverted commas, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, me now until me 70, that's plenty of time. You know, I'm not in a race. I don't need to be in a race. Um, the pressure's on a little bit next year. My husband says he's retiring. Yeah. <laughs> so um, things, things I might have to kind of be a little bit more organized and actually start running things like a, like a proper business rather than a pretend business. But, but you know, that's only because I prefer to stick my head in the sand about certain things that I don't like doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. I, 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 yeah, it's kind of, it's funny how we're on the same sort of wavelength on so much of this stuff um, and how much read across I think there is from entrepreneurship with, with art, but I've always thought that and with writing and everything else. Yeah. Huge amounts with writing, I think. So the best place for people to find out more about you um, is at your website. Yeah, at my website, which is just alicesheridan.com. And there's links on there to the podcast. You can listen on there or just search for Art Juice. And on Instagram, it's Alice Sheridan Studio if you want to have a look at some of the pictures. And then you can either decide you like them or pull a face and keep moving, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. And you've got the free Facebook group, which is Art Explorers as well. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Alice. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's lovely to kind of come back full circle because I really do feel that that initial course that I took with you is probably what prompted me into believing that any of this was possible. So thank you. Oh, great. No, it was a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast. 